This is episode 13 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. And I'm Eli. And welcome to the second episode in our mini-series on the arts or humanities in the North Caucasus. You know, you keep saying humanity. It is humanities. It is arts and humanities. <laughs> Am I showing okay, my ignorance? Have, no, 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 you're not. No, no. We have literature. We, we do have literature. Um, I guess humanities is so broad, but it is. Yes. I mean, it's both, both and. So. <laughs> well, I'm excited today, Oops. listeners, because Eli is going to, he's going to steal the show. This is, this is one of his uh, areas of expertise. It's my baby. And, uh, and it's one of my areas where I just know almost nothing. And uh, so. Non-pertise. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you to lead us, guide us. Well, thank you, Andrew. That's generous. It's not really, I'm not an expert yet. So I, today we're going to do an intro, an overview of music in the caucuses. And this is so why I am here. Um, right now, I'm living in the North Caucasus in the, uh, on an on-ramp to uh, a PhD study of music in the North Caucasus and uh, tr- hmm. traditional ethnic music in the role play. So um, I am just starting that journey and it's mainly focused on learning Russian. So I am not an expert in this area yet. Um, I hope to become one someday. Um, then I will wear you know, a name tag that says, hello, I'm an <laughs> expert. No. Um, so really, let me, but, let me interject here. So you said you're going to get your PhD studying music in the North Caucasus. What would that degree be in? And just tell us a little about music in your own life, like instruments you play, like. Oh, sure. So I'm not a music whiz. I mean, I grew up playing music and my focus growing up in like middle and high school was piano and um, choral singing and then composition and theory. And okay. I did I had I did like competitions and stuff for composing. And then in college majored in music and um after that after a time I actually got a master's in intercultural studies and so you can see these two lines converging huh. uh into a field called ethnomusicology. Okay. Which is the study of um ethnic people's music or uh, a particular ethnic kind of, yeah, group's music. Uh, cool. And right now it would be a, a PhD, a doctorate in, I don't have a, th- a thesis to find yet, so uh, I'm not sure exactly what, but something in Caucasus music. Gotcha. So, but this field you're talking about here is called ethnomusicology. Is that right? That's it. You can, you, you can whip that out at your next dinner party. <laughs> Very impressive. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, why don't you just, I'm sure listeners, we still have not, this is the first time we're even uh, mentioning that music we play at the start of every episode. Probably oh, a lot of you, it. I would assume it sounds very foreign and just different to you, but that's right. I mean, it's kind of but the you, sound, <laughs> it's the sound of the Caucasus to us. It sounds so normal now, but yeah, I'm excited. We can really delve into that more. Well, as you can imagine, the topic music is like way too big to right. even make sense of. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that you're right. That clip that we play by a, uh, an artist named Renat Karmirov, Karimov, 
Renan uh-huh. Karimov. Yeah, we, there's a link to him in our show notes every episode. Um, that's that is a typical sound of kind of popular Kafka's music. I'm going to use the word the term Kafka's, which is the Caucasus way of saying Caucasus. Yes. Caucasus. So yes. it's easier and sounds better to my ear. So Kafka's music. And and the overarching term for that, people would say, is, Andrew? Lesginka. Is, that's right, Lesginka. And yeah. Lesginka is a style of music. It's a style of dance. And we, like I said in our last episode, I hope we will have um, an episode on dance. So we'll touch on a lot of things. Um, so where do we start? I have something to start with. <laughs> this okay. might be my only contribution to this <laughs> podcast. Whoa, uh, so... Uh, I read a fascinating article. I was thinking, I mean, we mentioned this in the last episode. I'm a simple guy. For lack of a better word, Eli is much more artsy than me. And uh, <laughs> Not the first time I've been called that. Probably. I mean, I'm, I'm just pretty simple, easy to please kind of guy. You are a little more uh, well-versed in music and things like that. Uh, so or picky. Maybe. There, there you go. But I looked up, I was researching, like, why is music important to people and i found this fascinating article it's an interview called it's titled the role of music in human culture but uh different people famous people participated in it moby small topic yes uh moby probably you guys know uh famous famous recording artist and dj hans zimmer which he composed batman and many other soundtracks right like one third of the music you listen to in movies was probably yeah. written by Hans Zimmer. And then uh, two other uh, famous people kind of in the music world. And uh, I want to read this quote from Rusty Roof, who is the, he's the chairman emeritus of the Grammy Foundation. But listen to what he says about what music is. He says, oh, for me, music is the language which allows us to express emotion. We each have emotion inside of us that we need to get out and ones we need to experience. And often words are not enough. Music is that vehicle to express emotion when words don't suffice. Think, why do we put music behind slideshows we make at home, in soundtracks to movies, to change our mood when we get in the car, to help us deep think? Music is that language that helps us express and experience emotion. That's pretty deep. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever thought about it, you know, but I have thought, like, why does a soundtrack make everything sound better and cooler? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, that's really interesting to think it really is its own language that allows us to express emotions, words. And not can't. only is it, yeah, yeah, ex- and language is a great word for it, for trying to describe it. I mean, and the cool thing about talking about music is some people can tell you about it with words and terms that you wouldn't otherwise know, but mm. everyone experiences it equally. So everyone like you're not talking about something you've never experienced. It's not like I'm talking about going to Mars or the Caucasus. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about something that everyone knows intimately, but they just may not have words or categories for. So I really like that talking about when you hear someone talk about music, a cool thing about it is it's not only a language, but it's like a language in a different dimension than the spoken languages. So like if you've seen the movie Arrival about these aliens who come down with a different language and a nonlinear orthography, meaning they draw in ink blots instead of like words and letters. Yeah. And the whole idea is that they're, the way they write their language opens up uh, new dimensions. And um, that is what music does. I mean, when you look at brain studies and child development and, and music therapy, uh, it is so beyond us what music actually does 
in our in our psyches and our persons hearts minds bodies wow. um it's and it's totally it goes you know beyond kind of just a into different dimensions so i i don't want to sound well, I don't care how I sound, but because <laughs> I'm going to sound weird by the end of it. Let's let's charge in, Andrew. That was a great yes. quote to get us yeah. started because I want to I want to start off with a couple categories when people think about music, and we're going to be talking a lot about folk music today. And I want to just distinguish it from two terms or ideas that we're all probably familiar with um, as we try and get our heads around Caucasus music. Um, it's disambiguation. You know how at the beginning of a Wikipedia article, there's it's, there's a little box disambiguation. No, what? No, what oh. is that? It's it it takes away the ambiguity. So if you're looking up the word um, kitchen, kitchen. If you look up, um, well, I'm thinking of an example like uh, World War Three or something, or World okay. War Two. Maybe yeah. there's a movie called World War Two, and Wikipedia has a page about the actual war, and then there's a page about the movie, and it ah, says okay. the same title, but we're going to take away the ambiguity and say if you want to talk about gotcha. the same title somewhere else, it's over here. So that's what I want to do. Uh-huh. First term that people don't use, but you'll know what I mean, is art music. Have you ever heard that term, Andrew? No. Okay, so art music basically is is the term... For what we call, what we, I'll talk slower, what we call classical music. Okay. Okay. It's European art music. It's not only European, Chinese of art music, Tunisians, but it's this idea of music that is music for music's sake. Like it's a piece of music unto itself. It's usually complex. It's, it's kind of high culture, right? So name a piece of classical music that you know, Andrew. Uh, Oh boy. I know Beethoven and Mozart, and there you go. I'm trying to think of a. Uh, can you sing? Can you sing a snippet of classical music? Can I sing? Yeah, like like the melody of, of a famous piece of classical music. Dun, dun, Any piece. What is it? You know it. What is that? Oh, for Elise. For Elise. Yes. Beautiful. Wow, I so, was I was blanking there. That was awesome. So that that would be art music, and um or just classical music. And this is huh. sort of in contrast to everyday music, folk music, music that we just kick back and listen. It's, you know, it tends, it's good for analysis and it's good for um, theory and, and big orchestras. Uh-huh. But what we find in the Caucasus is by and large, not art music, but it's also not another term, which is pop music. Okay. All right, if 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 you were hypothetically put on the spot and asked to give a general definition for pop music, what would you say? <laughs> I was gonna say I could sing lots of pop pop songs right now. Give me uh, one. <laughs> oh baby, baby. Oh why? how was I supposed to know? Oh man. All right. Dating myself <laughs> back to the nineties. <laughs> okay. Uh how would I define pop music? Yeah, like pop music you, is or describe it. It's very contemporary. It's mm-hmm. typically uh, the music is modern. It's catchy. Yeah. It's singing about some experience that a listener can relate to. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Those are all great. And and folk music is, is can be similar. It sings about common day experiences. The big difference with pop music um, is, yes, it tends to be simple, repetitive, um, but it's designed for consumption. 
Okay. And it has an economic function. Yeah. Which is one reason. In, in other words, it's it's designed to make money and that's that's why it tends not to be enduring. It tends not to be very meaningful. Huh. Now, I know a lot like, of people like, you, you're dissing my jam. And I know. Don't be knocking you know, on Taylor Swift now. Don't be knocking. <laughs> she, yeah, heal the world. It changed my life <laughs> just like it changed yours. You know, it is interesting. You, you said the, the goal is consumption and to make money. And uh, we briefly mentioned our last episode, a film director from the Caucasus who said the censorship of the West is the box office, whatever makes money. That is a and it is a brilliant insight. We huh. don't. It's not a top-down government censorship. You can't say this. You have to say that. But yeah. we end up censoring ourselves by categorizing certain art forms, you know, as something hmm. we make money with. Wow. So, so what we find in the Caucasus is also not pop music. Okay. It's it's different. Okay. I want to try and capture that difference for you as best as I can from from how I understand it. In Kafkaz, do you ever say Kafkazia, by the way? Or is that like too much? Is that in, just too silly? In Russia, I do all the time. Not really in America. In, you say Kafkazia, right? Yeah. No. Okay, well. No. Oh, in Russian? Oh, in the Russian language? You would just say in the Kafkaz. Not Kafkaz. Kafkaz. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not Kafkaz. All right. Um, but in, in the Caucasus, I would say that uh, folk music is a vehicle and a receptacle for culture and history. Huh. Which is, even that is way too narrow and shallow. But in other words, a big part, a big function is it, it really contains, it contains, it embodies, it preserves, it collects and centralizes culture, like concepts of cultural identity, of a, uh, of a people's uh-huh. sense of who we are. Okay. And... The, the music is a means by which that identity is expressed and experienced. It is rehearsed, it's passed on, and it's, even, and it's created. I mean, identity is created in this. And this wow. is not unique to the, to the caucuses, but it's okay. different from pop music. Gotcha. So, would you, so you said art music is the first category, pop music is the second. Is folk music the third category that we're talking yeah. about? Yeah, okay. and in general, folk, this, this is what folk music is does yeah um, another distinction from art music is that folk music is usually attached to some life event ah okay interesting or or talks about life events you know there's this big idea of of real music in um in classical music which doesn't mean like yeah this is real this is stupid it means music that is only music it's not about something you know and folk music is usually very much about something um, yeah, that's kind of its point. So, someone me, could take me to the mat on this and say, "Ah, your terms are all wrong," and I, I would love. Actually, I would love that. Please email me. <laughs> take them to um, the mat. <laughs> but we're going to go with that category. Let me let me interject here. So, please, I have. Please correct my, uh, um, probably my wrong perception of what folk music is. I feel like I'm probably speaking for a lot of Westerners when I hear the term folk music. I have these images that come to mind that are like kind of pandering, like, oh yeah, you know, only older people listen to folk music, that kind of music. And it's kind of old fashioned and, oh yeah, that's kind of cute, but it's out of touch with the mainstreamer reality. Uh, you <laughs> self-centered pig. Sorry. I feel like I at least, I have these like 
that's kind of what comes to my mind when I hear that term folk music. And yeah, please correct me. Though obviously that's not all off. That's not all wrong. Yeah. Because old people do listen to it. And a lot of it does seem corny to us because it isn't new. But that's what part of what I want to portray is that um, there is a different need and function for music in the caucuses that we uh-huh. don't relate to as much. And you, in some ways, not at all okay. um, as Americans, which is this need to capture, contain, and then rehearse our, our cultural identity over and against others' cultural identities. Huh. Okay. Wow. That makes sense. So, yeah. yeah, I would say here in, or sorry, in the U S a lot of people would say, ah, that's, that's cliche. Uh, for example, yeah. because, we're really we're so obsessed with the now and the future and kind of um yeah and so yeah so um but i listen to what i would consider folk music you know the folk is a genre you've got indie folk alternative folk folk rock uh-huh. and you know they usually what that means is they're telling stories you gotcha. know johnny cash okay. is kind of yeah they're telling stories and and that hmm. and that pushes it and, and that, plus you got instrumentation they tend to be more traditional or acoustic or whatever but um that's sort of the big difference. Well, that's fascinating. So the history and the culture is, you said that these concepts of, of cultural identity are tied up and communicated in the music itself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. Yes. That, that definitely is different from the other kinds of music. Yeah. Not only that, so, or not only that, but because of that, um, another feature of Caucasus music is there's usually gatekeepers. Okay. There are people who are, allowed to perform the music and write new traditional music, which sounds funny because by traditional, I don't mean old, but I mean that right. or like ethnic music. Um, the idea is that only some people are endowed with the, the honor or the, the privilege of create of, of rightly preserving their culture or creating new cultural artifacts. Huh. Um, and there are a lot of cultural artifacts uh, that would, that's a term that would mean anything that um, kind of reflects a culture. So in Dagestan or in, in Chechnya or in Kabardino Balkaria, you have handicrafts, you have carpets, you uh-huh. have, um, f- you know, traditional clothing and you have music. So for example, in, in Adigia, which is the Western part of the Caucasus, um, this, there was a, a role called the Jiguaco. Okay. That's better. Jiguacamole. <laughs> um, so anyway, the Jiguaco in, in Adig cultures, Adige cultures is like the Cherkessens and the Cabardine cultures. He's the composer and he would attend battles and in order to write down heroic events. Uh-huh. So you think about this. This is not just a guy who's wanting to write a song to express how he feels. Right. He's like the reporter. You know, he's the news. But he's wow. more than the news because this whole people's honor is built on how they perform in battle, for example. Yeah. So who's who gets to tell that story? Yeah. I mean, I was going to say there has to be some kind of system or filter for choosing who those people get to be. Right. And so not only does he attend, um, for example, battle or sporting events, but then he has to submit his work to a group of elders. Wow. <laughs> um, I think about 
what is that in um, Monty Python in the Holy Grail, right? <laughs> and you and you've got the minstrel with Sir Robin, <laughs> and he's singing about Sir Robin. Do you remember this? Have you ever seen this? I've seen it. I've not seen it more than once. So you were not of the ilk of people who me. can like quote this in their sleep. Sorry. So. No, no, it's it's a farce if you've never seen it. Monty Python, obviously a British farce. And and it follows the stories of all the knights of the different knights of the round table and they're right. just totally absurd. And Sir Robin is sort of this foppish knight who doesn't really do anything and so he's got his minstrel who rides or runs along with him and sings at the beginning, he's singing of his great power and prowess on the battlefield and then mm-hmm. he actually gets like scared off and so the song then starts, Sir Robin bravely ran away with his ears tucked back and his tail tucked down. And it's like just going on and on about what a coward he is. And yeah. he's saying, stop it. Stop you know. <laughs> All right. So some people listening are laughing because they've seen the movie. You're, you're right, laughing right. to be polite. That's okay. <laughs> but the point is that's, that's like the function. That helps you understand the function of uh, musicians. We're not okay. talking just entertainment. We're not just talking art for art's sake. We're saying this is deeply connected to um, preserving and, and, and portraying our culture. So could, could we make it harder in the West for these people to <laughs> get their music out in the mainstream, like more filters and systems? Oh man. Yeah. Well, just wait till you hear some of it. I mean, it's so foreign to us um, for some of these reasons. So just to wrap up this point, uh, the closest parallel we would have in European American mindset is the bard. You know, a bard is basically a storyteller, which in- interestingly, um, Shakespeare, his, another name for him is the bard of Avon or just the bard. That's in literature circles or, th- or theater circles. People call him just the bard because he is a storyteller and a lot of original Shakespeare was actually done in song and stuff. So anyway, that's the connection we're trying to make and it's alive and well today. It's not just like way back there. Andrew, let me ask you a question. What do you th- when people compose music in Western culture, American culture, what would you think is one of the main driving forces that causes a person to sit down and write a piece of music? What do they want to do? I mean, they're usually, I mean, I feel like they're putting their experiences and feelings on paper and they're yeah. trying to communicate how they feel. That's what I would say. I totally agree. I mean, there's, it is about, expressing yourself. Yeah. It's about telling what happened. It's, it is, it is about getting yourself out there hmm. or, you know, it's like a self actualization thing. And in folk music and in Caucasus music, it is not about expressing yourself. Okay. It's about expressing, maybe you could say it's about expressing your group. <laughs> huh? So just some different categories. Cool. All right, Eli, I'm enjoying talking about this. I've been learning a lot, but I feel like for my sake, probably mainly for my sake, the listeners are probably doing better than me, but can we just play some music? Do you have some clips and then we can like clips. talk, talk, talk us through once we've played it, what you've been talking to me about. What on earth we're hearing? Yes. All right. Let me cue this up. Um, I'm going to play a clip from my friend at Ored Recordings and I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, my friend Bulat down in Nalchik, this guy goes around and does ethnic recordings of, of cool. mostly of Circassian or, or Cherkess music. So okay, this is, so he's, he's like a Kabardian, Kabardian guy, right? He's Cherkess. Yeah, he's Cherkess. Cherkess. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And he's, um, this is a clip of a bunch of fellas up in the hills singing a traditional song 
Um, it's called the song of the dog and the bear. And what you're going to hear in this is these guys singing repetitively and you're going to hear, um, a story. Obviously okay. it's in Circassian, so you won't understand it, but. So I'm just gonna let that hang out in the background for a little bit. So okay. you got one guy saying something and a bunch of people responding, and it goes right. on for like I don't know how many minutes is this? Six, a six, seven minute song. Wow. Um, and then there's a chorus and it, and it repeats and um, okay. they're telling a story and it's about a dog and a boar did I say bear before? A boar but it's yeah. it's got layers you know so okay. I'm not going to go into all that what that means mostly because I don't know um, I know that there's more to it but that's just a, a sample and we would say well that's boring or maybe yeah. you know we, we, we so let me say before I play a few more clips let me just give a couple tips on how to listen to music. Okay. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And in particular music, that's different. We tend to, you know, compare to what we already know. And when something's outside of what we already know, we relatively quickly jump to, um, naming it, labeling it, if not outright judging it. Right. Yeah. So music that's in a different scale than ours, we might say sounds out of tune, you know, if someone's bending notes or whatever. Um, Or we might just say, well, that sounds bad. And what we often mean is I don't like it, but actually what we're saying is I don't understand it. Okay. When we encounter artwork that we don't, that our first feeling is I just don't like it, usually it means we don't really know what's going on. And, Therefore, we can't really judge if it's good or bad. And even if we, I'm going to say, even if we like it. So would that, would an example of that be, this is just coming to mind. I mean, basically you're in my, our parents' generation. They almost to a T will say they can't stand rap music. Great example. It's foreign, totally foreign to their ears. They can't understand the words. It didn't really exist back in their day. They don't see the reason for it. Right. They don't feel it's musical. There's no melody. We can, and, and they're saying, often they're saying, I don't like it. Right. But what they're communicating is, or what they're showing is, I don't understand it. Huh. Okay. And if we take the time to understand something, we will almost always inevitably grow to like it more. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to come out at the end of the day saying, I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But we will almost always tend to like it, at least appreciate it more. And we'll then have the ability eventually, if we need to, to actually say whether it's good or bad, because there is bad art out there. It's important not to pay money for it. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, when you listen to some of these clips, I want you to notice the things you don't like, but instead of judging it, ask questions about it. What's different? Why does it sound different to me? Uh-huh. Why does it sound like I don't like it? What am I hearing? Let me okay. see if I can name it. Okay. So I hung out with uh, an Avar fella. 
Um, this guy is 88 years old. He's been a musician all of his life. He's from Dagestan. The Avar is the, one of the largest people groups in Dagestan. Uh, and his den has about, I don't know, 20 instruments hanging on the walls. Wow. And a, and a piano and a case full of awards. And he's been doing this his whole life. Um, and he played a bunch of stuff for me. Um, songs in the Caucasus have have all sorts of functions. They're wedding songs, funeral songs, love songs, nursery songs, yeah. uh, hero songs. Um, and I'm going to play some samples of his uh, instruments. Okay. So good. Uh, the first one. That What's I his name? Play you, first name. So this guy's name is Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Ibrahimov. Cool. Ibrahim. Good. Ibrahim. Ibrahimov. Yeah, you can see him find him online. Um, uh, is the Pandur with a P, Pandur, and it's a long, narrow, two-stringed, um, little strummy instrument. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Uh, real, real short sample. Okay. The Pandur. How did it sound to you, Andrew? How would you describe it? Well, my first, uh, okay, let me answer your question. Then I have a side note. Don't let me forget to say, uh, it, yeah, it doesn't sound like I'm used to in the, I'm used to hearing people play a guitar, which I feel like has a f- more full kind of whole sound. Yep. So that sounded a little like kind of scratchy, I guess I would say. Yeah. And if you listen to it again, you'd hear that some of the pitches moved, like bent a bit, which mm. to us would sound like it's out of tune. Mm. Um, Pandor is a really basic, important instrument. And it's, it's, this guy's a stud. He's 88. Let me play another sample um, mm. in which he does a little shredding. He's singing here. And picks it up. At the end, you heard him ramp up in in in, um, in speed, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is like a major show off instrument. Okay. You know what I mean? You heard him like dun, 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 yeah, dun, that was dun. a solo. So, yeah. Yeah. There are a few things that you probably recognize, Andrew, like the da 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 kind of rhythm hmm. that's super common in Kafka's music. It's these little triplets. Okay. Um, and there's also a drone on the bottom, like, dumb, that was the tone of the song, and he went around, but it came back here, so we yeah. had this the whole time. That's another thing that's really typical. So uh, our last episode, we we talked about film in the North Caucasus, and the first film I recommended is called Tangerines. Uh, that film, almost the entire soundtrack, is using that instrument, Pandar. The the Pandur. Pandur. That first clip you played, that sounded almost identical to the entire soundtrack of that movie, Tangerines. <laughs> Some people are like, oh. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I, I didn't know that was the name of that instrument. And like, when you watch the movie, it kind of has this like haunting sound and feel to it throughout the movie. But it was really, that was the media, the first thing I thought of. When you played that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, haunting is a good word. Yeah. So um, the Pandur's bigger, badder brother is the Kumuz. Okay. Um, and it's got steel strings and it sounds like this. It's more, it's more for strumming. 
and less for picking. So he does some picking. Um, and again, you've got that same rhythm. Dun, digga, dun, digga, dun, digga, dun, and a drone on the bottom. They play the mandolin. Let's see if I can find my mandolin. It sounds pretty similar, actually, but this is interesting because it's the exact same mandolin that you would hear a bluegrass band in the U.S. play. Um, it's got sympathetic strings underneath there. If I fast forward here, you'll hear him tear it up at the end again. Hmm. I guess that's not what he's doing there. So we'll cut that out. I under, that, was Russian, that was Russian. He was singing in Avar, is that right? The Avar language? Yeah. yeah but then he switched into Russian explaining to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, so I just, I'm just going through kind of families of instruments, just to give you guys an idea. There's nothing super racy about this, but those are all strummed or plucked instruments, okay. like a guitar, like a mandolin, yep. like a banjo, and they've all got different characteristics. They're made out of beautiful wood, and they're really something to behold, mm. and something that you come to appreciate as you come to understand them. I guess that's the point there, is that when you are in the place and you hear it sung um, and played, not just trying to make it sound like a guitar, you, you appreciate it for what it is. Okay. Something interesting about that Ored recording that I played you, um, and another recording that my friend Bulat made, um, he, he went to a village and wanted to hear their national music, and the, and the guys said, well, we have to go somewhere where we can play it. And that meant we can't just sit down and play it in our house. Yeah. I mean, we can, but that's not what it's for. And so there's a video clip. They went way up in the hills. They built a fire. Hmm. They're out in the grass. And then once they're settled, that's when they started singing. Wow. And playing. And it was, that really says something about, about how that music is experienced. It's, you know, they're not selling CDs that you typically flip on in your car. You can do that. But it's, it's like, this is meant to be done together in a certain way in a certain place. Yeah, it's funny. You always see music videos done in settings like that, but these guys, they, <laughs> yeah. they actually yeah. had to go up there for it to be to real. To do it right. Yeah. yeah. All right, the next instrument is a, you've got bowed instruments. This is what you would call, it's called a chagana, or um, they call it a mountain fiddle. So here's a real short sample of one. I like how it does that. It just like goes to goes to town on it. Um, huh. I really think this is a crazy instrument. It he, it's it's about as long as a violin, but it's just got a little cylinder with a stick coming out of it and a couple metal strings. You put it a peg on your knee like a fit like a cello, but just on your knee, and you hold it upright and you play it sideways. Um, and you see these all over the place. They're similar to some other instruments. Huh. They got a flute. Um, play this guy's flute sample real yeah. quick. Really beautiful, big wooden flute. Huh. A lot of mic noise there. This is all Ibrahim, the same guy. Oh yeah! Wow, he's doing it all. So it can it goes on. Um, so a huge a huge breadth or or a surprising breadth of of instrument types, hmm. um, and then. 
uh, I got the whole family together. Ibrahim performs with his wife or used to perform with his wife and his children. So um, before I left, uh, I asked them to, to play me a song altogether. Okay. And um, so I'm going to play a sample of that. This is really cool because literally they put down their instruments and ran out the door. So here's a little family jam um, of what some of these sound like together. Something really interesting to listen for is how they kind of communicate with each other. Hmm. Because you had Ibrahim on the lead, on the on the fiddle, and then you've got the strumming of the kumus and a drum, and they're following him, they're all watching him, and you can kind of hear a give and take. Now, I also said that there wasn't a, a large presence of, of art music, and this has no words, uh-huh. but this would be um, facilitating a dance, most likely. Okay. Um, either at a celebration or something. And in a bit, and we won't get all the way to it, it picks up and changes tempo again, because that's that's what would happen in the dance. So, Would you say a lot of the music of the folk music in the North Caucasus is connected with dance, or there's only certain kinds that are? I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I'm sure there are I'm sure there are kinds that are not because there are genres that are not dance genres. Yeah. Um but I would say a lot of it a lot of it is, but you know, if it's a lullaby, they're lullabies, that's a big one. Um Yeah. I mean this is really so, interesting because listeners the primary form of music that anybody knows about the Caucasus is the Les Ginka, and that is exclusively associated with dancing. And so what Eli is delving into is a much broader, wider range of music that I, I haven't even, I mean, I'm learning a ton here. This is totally new to me. Yeah. Now, Les Ginka is significant, and I said we're not talking about pop music, but it is basically the pop music of the Caucasus. Mm, yeah. Um, and we'll save more of that for a later episode. Um, but, but there's a, so the reason I, I am Ibrahim was, um, exceptional that he could play so many instruments and there's a lot of crossover with, with, they're not just of all, all of our instruments, you know, they, they cross across all the way, um, through the Caucasus, hmm. but there's a key instrument, which we haven't played yet. We haven't heard from. Yes, my leg's starting to balance. That's right, that's right. So this is the accordion. Um, interestingly, this is an uh, instrument that is very often played by women. Um, it's one of the few instruments that culturally is really acceptable. I've done a lot of like solo videos on YouTube of women just playing the accordion. Huh. Um, but this is what you would hear most often in most music. This is... I think this guy's also Avar, because you can hear that okay. of the Avar, which is an Avar sound. Um, so this is one of, of dozens and dozens of examples I could give mm. of the accordion. Um, this is a very slow example, um, but there are other examples. So... As you can tell, when music is playing, it's really hard for me to talk. <laughs> so, 
So, um, and then there's a series of drums and percussive things. Um, so that's just a tiny, tiny little taste of very authentic sounds mm. from the caucuses. And the point I want to give is I want to give you a feel, a flavor of what those were like, how they fit together, some of the role yeah. they play, and how significant, mainly how significant they are. But it filters down to the guys with the big speakers in their cars driving around late at right. night outside of our apartment <laughs> windows blasting their Les Ginka. So, you might recognize this guy. Yep. This is our intro music, but I'm not going to fade it here. And the run. Yep. That's, so that's Cox's music. So, here you can hear a blending. You've got... Um, Caucus's instrument, accordion, obviously borrowed from somewhere else. You've got the triplets, um, but then you've got a very kind of Western pop beat or, or sound in the background. But this song is called Caucus's Dance. Huh. It's a song about dancing in the cockpit, and of course you could dance to it. It's perfect, yeah. Lesginka, and it's super catchy. It's it's leg bouncing, like you said. Yeah. Get your legs bouncing. Um, and honestly, I know less about you know kind of the meaning and and place of this stuff. Andrew, you probably know of a lot of settings where this kind of music was played, and people would use it. Can you can you think of some? I mean, besides cruising late at night outside <laughs> yeah. of our windows. I would say Les Ginka, the Les Ginka music, when it's played, and it almost always results in people dancing, uh, which this is going to be a separate episode, and it's not the kind of dancing where you're picturing in your heads, listeners. Um, it's very specific to the Caucasus, but it's often played, and people dance to it in like settings of joy where people are either celebrating or having fun. Um, I mean, it, the guy's dance is a very kind of like expressive showy kind of thing. And like, like a rooster. it makes people happy when people do the less, when the music plays and people do the less ginkgo. So it's, I, I mean, it. weddings that you can, we're going to eventually include some links in the show notes, but YouTube is just chock full of wedding less ginkgo videos, you know, um, that's true. So that's what I got for today. That is a that brief really overview great. from a fairly analytical overview, um, but definitely a taste. So there they will be future episodes zooming in on some of these things. Um, and as our recording library grows, um, we'll be sure to include Yeah, those. so let me ask, Eli, are you going to include um, what you played today and maybe even some other links in the show notes? So listeners, if they want to kind of get a better feel for the music... Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. There are a lot of good web resources out there. So I'll list the names of, of what we played. These are all personal recordings, um, except for the last one. Um, yeah. But besides those, I will um, do my best to, to make get some links up there so you can look into these further. That was really great. Um, thanks, Eli. Man. My pleasure. You schooled me today, literally, in music. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, so I want to, uh, this is really cool. We didn't plan this, but we got a North Caucasus news minute today and, uh, also talking about a famous Avar man. Um, so you talked about, um, this, uh, musician Ibrahim 
who is Avar from Dagestan. And um, I found a really cool um, article uh, on the internet um, in recent weeks. Uh, and it referenced, so let me just tell you the article. It's actually in a newspaper in the country of India called the Hindustan Times. Makes sense. And yeah, it's about um, a university. It's Punjab University. It's in the far north of India in the state of Chandigarh. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, the kind of regional language is Punjabi. But in India, I don't know if you know this, listeners, um, probably some of you do, but English and Hindi are the two official languages of India. So what's been happening at this university, Punjabi uh, Punjab University, is written signs, kind of billboards all over the campus. They're only writing on the signs in English and Hindi, and they're not using the Punjabi language at all, even though that mm. is the like native language of the majority of the people who live in that state. And so students are protesting about it. Uh, we'll link the article so you can see it. But what's fascinating is apparently among Punjabis in Pakistan and in India, northern India, a Dagestani poet is extremely famous. Hey-o! Yeah, and uh, this poet is Rasul Gamzatov. He, I've been told about him by some of my Caucasus friends, but he is the probably the most famous poet to come out of the North Caucasus. Um, he's Avar, definitely. Um, yeah, and he was extremely well loved and well known throughout the Soviet Union. Um, he lived uh, until 2003, but what was unique about him was. All of his poetry he wrote in the Avar language. Right. And then it would get translated into the Russian language. And um, English. You can get English translations too. Yeah. And uh, his most famous work, it's called My Dagestan, Moy Dagestan. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, they're using him as an example in India of why it's important to preserve your native language. That is crazy. Isn't that, isn't that cool? He's like an example for them. That is very cool. Yeah. Do you know what? So, I actually had a quote from, from him about the Pandur, a two-liner. Listen to this. Okay. Yeah. From, from Gamzatov. To whom and from whom, who will touch the strings by hand, Pandur will call and send away sorrow. Wow. Yeah. That was awesome. It's from his uh, inscriptions. I have a quote from him too. <laughs> it's a, I cut it down as much as I could, but this is just beautiful. Uh, like, this is really good poetry. This is from the, it's not even, it's the preface of his book of poets, book of poems of my Dagestan. But let me read this to you. This is really uh, beautifully written. Obviously an English translation. It takes a child two years to learn how to speak. It takes a man 60 years to learn how to hold his tongue. I am not a two-year-old, neither am I 60. I'm halfway through my lifespan, yet I'm closer to the latter mark, which is why a word unsaid is more precious to me than all the words that have been spoken. A book I have not yet written is more precious to me than all the books that have come from my pen. It's beyond price, the closest to my heart, and the most exacting. O book of mine, you have dwelt within me for long years. You're like a well-beloved woman you see from afar, one you have dreamt of but never dared touch. At times she's been quite close, and almost within reach, but I've been timid and shy, blushed and drawn back. All that is over and done with. I've decided to approach her boldly and take her by the hand. From a timid lover, I wish to turn into a bold and experienced man. 
I saddle my horse and court it thrice. What will be, will be. Whoa. That, how awesome is that? That's like, a, I'm, I'm going to write my dang book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I read that and was like, I want to read his poems. That, that was yeah. beautiful. I don't know wow. what court it thrice means. Uh, I'll have to work on the English <laughs> translation of that. But <laughs> It's something three times. Anyways, uh, props to Rasul Gamzatov. I'm sure many of you are hearing of him, of him for the first time, listeners. We'll have some links in the show notes to some of his works uh, yeah. in English so you he can actually, check that out. He actually has an official, there's an official page called the mm. People's Poet of, of Dagestan. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll get that link up there. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the Caucasus making strides around the world, uh, unbeknownst to most many of us, but really cool. So that's our news minute. Brilliant. Well, you know, uh, in the spirit of what we're doing, I think I think we should wrap up and fade out with a uh, with a a little Ibrahimo family jam, don't you? That's awesome. I love it. Cool. Well, I'll go ahead and say this is. Caucus Talk. This has been episode 13 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. We will see you when you get here. See ya.